Three dorks, forged by geek culture at a young age, eventually grew up and started families of their own. Forever young at heart, they now navigate geek culture with children in tow. Whether it's dirty diapers, packing school lunches, or finding balance for it all, they are more than dads or dorks. They are both. This is Dads Are Dorks Podcast. Welcome back to the Dads Are Dorks podcast, where we are dads, we are dorks, and today we're going to do our best to make sure you don't get comic conned. Hey-o. Uh, there you go. Okay, I got. I finally got. Jokes got are it. at the end of the episode. <laughs> How dare I'm you? Just, I'm just repeating all the protesters. I didn't know if we were doing introductions first. I didn't. Know. Another episode, another failed introduction. Anyways, <laughs> plenty to talk about today. Uh, my name is Chris, and I am joined by Tyler MC, and I'm joined by Mason. And today we are going to talk all things one San Diego Comic Con. A lot to talk about, a lot to get through to kind of go back, and you can go back with us and take a look at everything we're talking about. But anyways, guys, I wasn't here on the last episode. I didn't notice. Uh, I mean, that's actually not true. I did pop yeah, in briefly. In. Yeah, I know that's yeah. the joke. You were absolutely there for like a little bit. I was there for a little bit. I couldn't hear anything. I guessed what everyone was saying. I had an awkward approach with somebody while I was on. Anyway, it was good times. I was at a, I was in San yeah, I'll Diego. I'll make sure and post it all. It'll be fine. I'm just kidding. I was at, <laughs> I was at San Yeah, that's what we need. More of that discourse going on. Uh, I was in San Diego uh, for the last episode. So our good friend uh, Eric Berry and uh, uh, Hassan substituted for me you guys had a uh what sounded like a great conversation about uh good and bad fictional dads and i am looking forward to listening to the episode when it releases uh, at this point it will have released but in the recording time it hasn't released yet but i want to know what's going on i didn't get a chance to talk to you guys last week so um tyler man what's going on what's new well we saw the barbie movie me too <laughs> and <glad> <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> Taking Charlotte to the Little Mermaid didn't go great. So we thought, okay, time to innovate. Go into the drive-in movie theater. Oh, okay. Nice. I like it. Fresh air. Kid can, like, run around. You know, if she gets really tired, we can, like, put her in the air-conditioned car and she can take a nap. I thought it was a great idea. <laughs> I thought it would work well. And um, well, she the thing is, when when it gets dark and they project the movie, you can't really see the road. So if Charlotte was like done sitting in my lap and would like jump off and start running, I'm like, oh, she runs a foot further. I can't see her. So I need to just lunge and grab her. Um, and our car's radio, for some reason, is just like a, a like a second and a half out of sync with apparently oh. everyone else's car radio so that made the audio just real weird that's about and it was just it was so hard to focus on the movie still and again maybe don't take your two-year-old to the movies just quite yet <laughs> we're we're doing our best over here we're trying it was a, it was a great it was a lovely movie i enjoyed the bits of it that i watched um but it's still um still haven't gotten to that point where she can just sit still for a two-hour period, yeah. and that's just that's just life. That's yeah. just life. I tried watching it. Uh, it was good. I 
I feel like if I was like able to like sit in a dark theater and like fully get immersed into it, I maybe would have connected with the emotions a bit more. Um, but as for now, I really liked Alan. <laughs> yeah. oh, Alan was great. Yeah, Alan and was great. Um, it was a good movie. But Mason, you might have a better review than I do. Yeah. Well, I- I'm gonna. I'm like this is a movie that I had no expectations going in. I knew nothing about what it was about. I didn't know it was going to be almost kind of a statement piece. And I feel like if you didn't like this, if you don't like this movie, it probably says a lot about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you can't sit back and laugh at this movie, like it, there's probably something, some things you need to work on internally. It was, I've seen some real wackos online. Right. Like, right. Oh, this piece of woke garbage. And it's yeah. like, Come on. But it was Just... cool because it had a piece, a part, and then it had another part. And this is without me spoiling it. And then it comes back around and ties everything together, you know, mm-hmm. and like and like makes really a lot of sense out of the whole thing. And so in a really senseless movie. But uh I uh I I told my wife today I'm naming my uh my fantasy football league Mojo Jojo Casa House this yes <laughs> just be, seems like the most fitting thing i could do right now no i love this movie i'll probably watch it again when it comes out i'm not I'm usually definitely gonna like watch a, it again i want an experience watching yeah. it next time yeah for sure you'll have to really sit down and get into it because there's a lot of like things that were really it was just like funny throughout and i could see mm-hmm. this movie going to like broadway like being like a whole yes like a musical theater type thing and really thriving in that environment and i uh i don't know i just really loved it and thought it was really funny my wife was laughing the whole time we got to leave the kids with my mom so we got to go out and have a little date night together and see the movie and she was very like shocked that i wanted to see it and also like like excited that we could enjoy it together and i was like yeah of course i wanted to see it you know like i i had no expectations mm-hmm. but i knew it wasn't going to be just like barbie you know like these the shows that the kids watch about barbie you know like that yeah, kind the of thing. animated and, barbies yeah and all the cameos in the movie were incredible like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just so much in the the musical numbers and everything it was just a really well put together film and just like it wasn't like insane of like earth shattering this or that like to me like you know like a it it definitely made a statement uh, but it wasn't like this insane piece of art like Oppenheimer has been getting reviewed as you know like oh the any Chris Nolan movie really but uh but yeah it it was just a good movie that had a pretty good message through the whole thing to at the end of it and just um really funny just like I don't Mm -hmm. like I said I don't think I've laughed that hard at a movie in a long time so and a real, again, a real emphasis on practical effects. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yep. I, I saw some scenes later of, you know, like the transportation model, uh, montage. Those were sets yeah. that were built. And Which they really could, cool. like, yeah. bike across. And it was really cool. There was, in fact, an international shortage of a specific shade of pink paint. I heard that, yeah. <laughs> because they had just used it on all of their sets. And it's just that dedication to detail that is just exactly what I want in a movie. Yeah. Who would have thought in 2023 we'd be sitting here saying, man, Barbie changed Mm -hmm. the game when it comes to the movie movie landscape? Like, who would have thought? I mean, Mm -hmm. and and I say this from someone who follows, um, you know, the toy industry and stuff like that. Mattel has had some issues in the last 10 years. 
um, financially. I mean, there was rumors at one point Hasbro was going to buy them. Um, yeah. This <laughs> this movie single handedly <laughs> more or less likes. Uh, I mean, Barbie's outperformed every Hasbro movie in the last ten mm-hmm. years, fifteen oh, years maybe. Another funny uh, a fact: a, a good good friend of uh, my wife works for Mattel. Oh, nice! Is like an accountant there, and so every now and again, whenever like Barbie be running through the Mattel offices, I'd like poke my wife and be like, "Hey, I think that's I think that's your friend's office right there. I think that's her <laughs> jumping." Yes. Shut up. Yeah, but, um, Will, Will Smith was, or Will Smith, Will Ferrell was hilarious. In the movie. He was great. Yeah, yeah, so funny. But, I look uh, forward to I, eventually watching it. Eventually, I liked. I like too that they made fun of Mattel, but everybody was in on the joke. You know, it just felt like mm-hmm. you know Mattel made the movie, obviously, but they were literally making yeah. fun of the higher ups at Mattel and the whole thing, which was really hilarious to me. So. But they weren't necessarily making fun of just Mattel. They were using they were using themselves as kind of like a target for really corporate culture. Yeah, in general, yeah, true, true. Very, it's true. just sillier Very as like the company behind Barbie, yeah, being so male centric. So that's right. yeah. So yeah. so safe to say you guys recommend this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. yes, I do. Again, I wish I had watched more of it. Um I, but, but I did come with a backup movie recommendation because I didn't quite catch all of Barbie. There is a I also spent a long time in the concession line. Just not not the best movie watching experience in the world, taking a toddler to a drive in. <laughs> um but we we rewatched recently a um childhood favorite of uh my wife chitty chitty bang bang oh okay from 68 looks like taking back to the old school here still holds up nice still holds up i we were watching it uh just like the past two days because there's actually like a nice intermission literally built like filmed into the movie so we're like okay we can just pause here and get short of bed we'll pick up on again another day but yeah just this old movie about like a flying car and the silly vaguely german nation of vulgaria and uh <laughs> i learned recently chitty chitty bang bang the book was written by ian fleming who is the author of james bond okay. because his son when he was like 10 said daddy you love james bond more than you love me and he was like okay i need to take a step back from james bond write some kids books hang out with my son a bit more and that's what birth Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's pretty cool. And so it's like a really cool kind of like the father story kind of behind the scenes. But also you can tell Ian Fleming was the author because the the female lead, her name is a truly scrumptious. Which would fit in any James Bond movie as a True. Uh, the female lead as well. So, um, yeah, it's the child catcher who has a long nose and a hook and a net who catches children and puts them in cages might give some kids nightmares, full disclosure, but the silly songs and dancing is really good. So chitty, chitty bang, bang is my recommendation because I still need to watch probably 20% of Barbie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, well, I'm glad you liked it or I'm glad you liked what you saw of it because I, I did like it. Yeah. It wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be, and I was pleasantly surprised. And so, yeah, yeah, there's some real sweetness and real heart. Like, yeah, again, it was. I mostly it, caught the end of the movie when Charlotte had run out of steam, and the ending was very just heartwarming and good. 
Yeah, and it was definitely a PG-13 movie where it had language and stuff, but it wasn't focused on, like, the... I thought they were going to sexualize Margot Robbie a little more, and they just didn't. And I thought No, they really didn't. Really, I thought that was really cool that they that's, made... That's actually with her. kind of sad that there's an expectation that a pretty actress is going to get sexualized in a movie. I, and then you're pleasantly surprised what, when they're not. Like, it's just know, that's not a knock on you by any means. It's just... Yeah. yeah. It's just I one just, of those things where, like, wow... Yeah, I, I just thought fallen. it was going to be, oh, bring the sexy girl in here to play Barbie and then we're going to over-sexualize her. And it just, it like, it was literally about not doing that, you know, the, yep. the stereotype. And the outfits were just Barbie pretty. Thing, so. You know yeah. what I mean? Not pretty as in a, a wooga kind of way. Yeah. But pretty as in like a, yeah. wow, that is, those colors are really nice and they go well with her hair and it's yeah. accessorized well. Like, it is what Barbie should be. Right, yeah, and uh, Gosling and Simu Liu were just awesome, <laughs> just awesome. So. Yes, and I cannot state enough how perfectly cast Michael Sarah was. Yeah, as Alan, as, as Ken's buddy Alan. <laughs> yeah, so funny. Oh man, but uh, good times. I hope uh, you know. I hope you get to see it fully, and I hope you get to see it too, Chris, because it was definitely one worth watching. Yes, I'm but glad Chris, it what's been up with you? As if we don't already know. Seriously. Well, I was gifted an incredible opportunity to return to San Diego Comic-Con. I've gone many times. It was not my first time going. Um, However, I did feel that my time going had expired. Um, The last time I went, I had two kids, one who was three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. The other one was not even one yet. That was the last time I went. Now I have three kids who are seven, four and three now. Because uh, my youngest just had a birthday. Um, so I didn't think I was going to be able to go. And then um, my boss, who runs uh, a network of websites that I just happened to be the operator of uh, one of them, um, kind of offered me a deal, um, kind of pay my way if I could go and, and help with the workload because it was just too much for him to do by himself last time. And I was like, well, okay. Um, so I went out there and... I mean, you can't turn that deal down, right? So yeah, I got approval nope. from the wife. Work, my boss at work was like, "Dude, you need to go. This sounds like fun as hell." I was like, "Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's a good boss." Um, yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate, and uh, and yeah, so I flew out on Tuesday before the show and stayed until Sunday morning, and took a very, very, very long time to get home. I got home mm-hmm. Monday morning. Uh, left oh, Sunday morning, got home Monday morning. So that should tell you how my day went. Um, mm-hmm. But no, no, I I mean, what can you say? Like, I got to go to San Diego Comic-Con, like the largest comic book, quote unquote, convention uh, in the entire world. Is it officially um, bigger than New York Comic-Con? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. I've never been to either, so I didn't know. New York Comic-Con is a, is a good second place. Um, but the problem with San, San Diego versus New York, New York is on the East Coast and Hollywood is on the West Coast. Uh, yep. So yeah. San Diego for a very long time was always treated as the A-list celebrity place. So all the studios and TV shows would move their celebrities to San Diego for the week um, to do panels and hype things and do autograph signings. And, you know, Hall H, the famed Hall H, like the large uh, meeting hall in the convention center would be where they do all their big movie reveals. You know, that's where uh, uh, Batman vs. Superman was revealed. That's where they revealed the cast of the Avengers. Um, You know, those are just recent ones where Deadpool, um, the Deadpool thing leaked, uh, which helped Ryan Reynolds eventually land the role of Deadpool and get the movie created. Um, Only only thing is, uh, this year, um, a bit of a hiccup. 
Uh, all the writers, as you know, are on strike. And the weekend before San Diego Comic-Con, the actors, actors. all went on strike. Mm-hmm. And part of their deal on the strike um, would be you cannot go and promote your work that you that you either did or that you're got to be on or that's in production or whatever. So no one could come out and promote their movies or promote their show. They could show up if they wanted to, but they could not be showing up to promote anything that is union that they had worked on previously or anything that's in development or anything that's coming out. Um, so technically they couldn't go up on a panel about a movie that's coming out that they're working on because, well, right. they're not allowed to. Promotion. Yep. So right off the bat, it was going to be a much different San Diego Comic-Con than any one before it. And I think Kinda Jim Lee, school. I think Jim yeah. Lee and his, uh, the panel that happened uh, honoring Jim Lee and his work on DC and, and just as a creator in general, he summed it up best when he started the panel with, uh, San Diego Comic-Con belongs to the comic book fans again. Um, just because, and I'll talk about this more as I go through, I'll go through like a day by day how things went. Um, Hall H, for the most part, was canceled this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't they Do we know what the plans were going to be for Hall H. Like, did they have a lineup set that just had to be canceled, canceled, canceled? Or did they just not even announce anything for it? They ended up not announcing things. Usually they announce Hall H panels. Uh, sometimes they'll announce them way in advance. Sometimes they'll wait to the week of. Um, mm, okay. And then people would go line up in front of in lines for Hall H to get into Marvel or, or uh, DC or, you know, whatever show popular show is going to be on. They would wait in line for they'd sleep overnight in tents to get in um those weren't there this year and, and there was a hall h panel on thursday i believe but it was only like someone tweeted out a picture it was like only a third full because there was no like actual celebrities there so where do you think all the people that normally go to hall h went when there's no hall h the look into the books. into the exhibit hall into the yeah. panels the smaller panels awesome um normally you can kind of traject your San Diego Comic-Con. So I went to cover um, for like toyark.com, tfw2005.com, those websites we take pictures, we go to the panels, um, you know, we deliver nice up-close pictures of everything um, for people that can't go to the show, and we curate everything all together. Um, there's a post like on, on all the network sites, but Toy Arc is the main one, um, where literally every single piece of coverage from San Diego Comic-Con that we did that week is available in one news post, and you can click whatever you there's want to click. There's a lot. By company. Um, yeah, there is a lot. Um, yeah, you we guys shot, did a great job. Yeah, we, shot almost, we shot almost 5,000 pictures. Um and we only, I mean, certain big name items, big, like big ticket items. Yeah, we'd focus one, you know, 10 shots on if it was a big item or a big ticket item. Did you um, use a camera the, or just your phone? So normally we would use cameras, right? We take like a nice, uh, like I have a Sony, um, so I think it was back then it was called Sony Alpha. Now it's just Sony AX or something. But it was a Sony AX 5000 is what I used to use because my boss used them. They're a mirrorless camera. Um, and that's what we would take pictures with. And we had I technology. <laughs> yeah, we would we would we would we had technology where we would have a a Wi-Fi card um in the memory card, like a memory Wi-Fi card in the camera. So we would take the picture as we take the picture would upload to a burner. Um it would uh, it would upload it to our phone. Our phone would process the image. I'm sorry, to a burner phone. It would upload it to a burner phone. 
that burner phone, like a, a, de- a dead phone, no cell service. Yeah. That phone would, we had a, a customized script scripting tool that would take the photo, resize it, watermark it. And then from there, Wi-Fi to our actual phone and then upload to a file sharing service. So we could take with the camera, take a picture and have the pictures Instantly. available like on Dropbox within minutes. Um, yeah, because you've got some of those up quick. That was what we used to do. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. We soon discovered uh, in the name of covering things that it was a lot of work to haul around all this expensive camera equipment and have all these charging stations and cables and stuff. And um, Mason's out there with his cell phone taking pictures of the same case that I'm taking pictures right. of with my $2,000 camera. And he's getting the picture up first and 3,000 people are sharing his picture and 100 people are sharing mine. Mm-hmm. so what am i doing with the camera when i could just be doing the exact same thing i just need with to do what phone. he's doing yeah. i need to do what he what he's doing but better so this year we used just our cell phones so i have a samsung galaxy plus 23 my boss has a 23 plus ultra we discovered my camera even though his has a better is the better camera my camera performs better because i does not have the scripting inside of it that tries to upscale everything to an ultra high def mm-hmm. which actually can ruin your image and you cannot turn yeah. that off on the plus 23 ultra that's you have camera. to yeah so he's like that's why your pictures look better than mine i was like yay finally <laughs> um but we had a sorry it's it's a long time me and my boss we've known each other we've been friends for over 20 years so um, again, it's almost like a brotherhood at this point, but essentially we had like a LED light panel that we could attach to our phone and then, um, that had a Bluetooth trigger sensor on it. So I can just hold my camera up to a case, move the light. So that the light is not in the picture, but shines on the figure. And then the Bluetooth button, I just take the picture and it's instant. Whereas normally when you take a picture on your phone, you push the button, it takes a second. This thing was just an instant click. Hmm. Um, and we just go through and click, 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 click. I'd usually take two to three pictures of a figure and move on to the next. Um, and we did that at every, at, if, if Booth had toys, we took pictures of it. Um, and we started that Wednesday night. Um, you start with the big name stuff, right? So we covered the first place we went to is Hasbro Booth, went to Bandai, Tamashi Nations, went to Jazzwares, went to NECA, went to Super 7. You know, the the companies that have the highest number of collectors, because we know that's what the audience wants, right? Like if those are the highest areas of collectors, that's where everyone's going to be looking for pictures. Um, so it was crazy. And, and preview night on Wednesday night um, this year felt extra crazy. Like it felt like there was more people in there. Um, That's at the cool. same time, I will say the exhibitors for the most part, almost all of them were like ready to go three hours before the show opened. Whereas sometimes you go in there before the show opens, like a half hour before the show opens. And <clears throat> some of these exhibitors are still struggling to get like their cases up and fill the cases with product. Wow. Um, That's cool. It's great that everybody I mean, was it, ready. For the most part, I'm not yeah. sure if some of the smaller ones are ready or not, but the big ones were, um, so yeah, Wednesday preview night, go in there, um, take pictures. Uh, San Diego is beautiful. I, I highly recommend going. Um, if anyone ever goes, I will give you a place of, uh, in the gas lamp district. That's where the convention hall is located at, not actual downtown San Diego, but the old town San Diego. Uh, I can give you a whole bunch of recommendations, but, um, yeah, Wednesday and Thursday were mostly picture taking days. Uh, Thursday was some panel days uh, or some panels, I should say. And then Friday, and Saturday, we're just more or less just hanging out and doing what we call cleanup. Um, so I, I can tell you the booths that impressed me the most. Number one, I feel like this year, 
A Hasbro is a little bit smaller. So Hasbro does your Transformers, your G.I. Joe, your My Little Pony, your Power Rangers, your Marvel Legends, your Star Wars, the Black Series, then Vintage Collection, Dungeons and Dragons, Magic, the Gathering, Nerf, uh, Troll Dolls, Furby, not Troll Dolls, they do Furbies, um, and all that stuff was there on display. Uh, but what they did this year was they announced right before Comic-Con, they have partnered with Robosyn, who is a computerized manufacturer engineering they make robots essentially so of course the robot company makes uh, robot toys of the transformers they had an auto transforming or uh, i should say auto converting because transforming you cannot use um g1 so original 1980s uh, grimlock so yeah, it is a we were talking to Hassan about that Hassan had it he was showing it to us on the on the show last week because we recorded on wednesday uh, yeah that thing that thing is ridiculously cool. And I couldn't Robo believe said, how big it was. Like he held it oh, yeah. up like next to his head, and I was like, "Holy moly, that thing's huge!" <laughs> so you walk in. Uh, San Diego has multiple entry points, right? So you can there's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So there's double doors in every single one. So there's tons of ways to come in. Um, most of the people funnel through C and D because that's where the crosswalk from like the hotels and stuff is except for the Marriott, which is connected to the hotel or to the convention center. But otherwise like the Omni, uh, all the trains and stuff, they all come across streets. So right there is where the main traffic choke point is. So you walk in the door. The first thing you see is to your right is Hasbro and to your front of you is Jazzwares. Jazzwares does your AEW wrestling figures, your Halo, Call of Duty, Pokemon toys, Fortnite toys, um, uh, some other stuff that I didn't, honestly pay much attention to we we've we focus mostly on what uh nerdy uh 30 to 50 year old men would buy not necessarily what kids <laughs> would buy so i want to throw that out there as a disclaimer so we didn't cover a lot of uh anime toys we didn't cover little kid toys we focus mostly on like collector oriented stuff but um the first thing i'll say is a lot of these places had two-story booths um the second story reserved for like a back area for their staff, but then also an area for doing meetings, marketing meetings, because San Diego Comic-Con for toy companies is also a place to do business. It's to showcase your product, meet with influencers, companies, um, old meetings, pre have special previews, stuff like that. Jazzwares had a second story thing. Jazzwares actually got shut down twice by the fire marshal for having too many people on their second floor because it's just scaffolding. Hmm. You're just literally walking on scaffolding um, that has a fake floor built in. Uh, so like they a got secret clubhouse. So they got shut down twice for having too many people by the fire marshal on the top floor, um, which scared every other booth in the entire exhibit hall. And then suddenly they had uh, we lie. We call them line Nazis because people guarding like how many people do we have upstairs? Nope, nope. We can't send two up until we have two come down because um, we had a lot of meetings and stuff. We were there, but Jazzwares, um, their big ticket was wrestling and then they also had their exclusive line so that's one thing that a lot of booths do is that they have where you pick up your exclusive toys at that booth as well um and it gives traction to people walking by because suddenly they see a group of people and they're like, what's going on why are these people lined up oh it's an merchandise line okay well let's get in line let's see if we can get some merchandise um so jazzwares did that bondi did that hasbro did not hasbro gave up their show space they used to have a huge area for hasbro pulls where their exclusives would be available and you have to get a ticket and then you go in line when your ticket time was and then you can buy your exclusives. After COVID hit, Hasbro said, we're not doing that anymore. So they gave up their spot and Bandai said, yoink. Uh, so now Bandai is everywhere. They had a Tamagotchi booth. 
They're huge Tamashi Nations booth. They're partner brand booths, um, which is just crazy. But yeah, Hasra had the Robeson Grimlock right at a huge focal intersection. And they had like five of these things out there. Like four on a table and then someone standing in the aisleway with one. And so that's just cool. crowds of people. I mean, hundreds of people would gather around and be like, oh, my God, that's so cool. I don't know how many they sold or had people be like, I have to buy one of those because um, they are seventeen hundred dollars. But fifteen hundred right now on pre-order discount. Um, so, yeah, that's it's a high ticket item. Um, I have a, a commentary I'm doing where it's like, you know, it comes with a ton of accessories and a divorce. So <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it, it is true. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. Was, but that was really cool. And then. Like the way the show the show is set up, um, all your so like Funko owns like the A side, which is what I would call the south side of the convention center. So we're like closer where Hall H would be and stuff like that. Um, that is where Funko sets up, and then on the other side, all the way down on G, um, I might have these backwards. I think I have these backwards. Okay, so G is where Funko is, where like Hall H, and then A is over by the Marriott. Um, G side is Funko, all the uh, uh, fan art tables, um, you know, Artist Alley, um, Small Time Press, that's where they're at. And then all the toy companies, entertainment companies take up like E through probably C. Um, and then B and A is your, A is like video games. Uh, and then B is essentially most of like your small, your small like comic book press. So like your Boom Studios, IDW Publishing, Scholastic, um and then all then the like the merchandise vendors the small time vendors that somehow still have a booth after all these years at san diego comic-con where they're peddling you know toys that were that came out eight months ago for double the price um so that that's the exhibit hall setup um like i said hasbro's booth was they put a porsche in the middle of it from transformers rise of the beast they put the porsche you showed us that yeah that was cool so that kind of ruined the flow because half their booth is now taken up by a porsche and <laughs> sure. yeah they but said they're not that, even selling. They said they had, and there were certain like rules or laws they had to follow. Like, so they had to have so many feet between where the Porsche was and where people could like be. You couldn't have people couldn't touch it. They couldn't walk up to it. Um, they had to get some crazy permits to even get it in there in the first place. Um, so yeah, and then on the backside they had a stage. So Hasbro was very, very, very tight. It was hard to walk through. Um, and then of course you have, and, and the way they set their booths up was. I mean, I could talk about the stuff forever, but normally like you have your display booth and like people could walk by and you see it. Well, you know, from the outside, they still had it that way, but that's where they put the in package figures. Hmm. So say you have Transformers Optimus Prime and you walk by, you're like, oh, cool. Here's the Transformers part. Oh, well, there's the box for Optimus Prime. But if I want to see the figure, I have to go in the booth to the other side of it, gotcha. which smart because it gets people inside. Yeah. Not smart when you have literally half the space you normally do to do so. Um, and Transformers Hasbro, especially with G.I. Joe classified, is a huge line for them right now. Um, that was at a corner um, right next to Power Rangers. Poor Power Rangers, man. Like <laughs> They were there, and I have a picture. I didn't post it because I didn't want to be that guy. But like I have a picture where like, half the figures have fallen over in the case from people bumping oh, into yeah. the case. I mean, you showed us like on when we video called you and... I just I looked at that case. There weren't even any falling over at that time, but I just kind of sighed. It was just kind of like, hey, here are a bunch of figures that yeah. we all 
already know I, about. That I are, figure they had kind of plans there. for something, and then they at the last minute they were like, no, because the entire bottom shelf was nothing but Cosmic Fury Morphers. There's like seven of them down there, all in box. I was like, well, no, of course they had them in box. They're what's not the point impressive of, outside the box. What's what's the point of having seven in package Cosmic Fury Morphers on your bottom shelf? Couldn't tell. Like, that's where I like. They were there. Yeah. That's where I'm we like. Were... Um, I'm just I, I I didn't understand it, but we promoted um, that show that's coming out in a couple months. Like, see, look, look higher up. So we did it. it, Yay, it, it I guess somebody may have thought that was like a wink, wink, nod. To how many Cosmic Fury Rangers are going to be? Which I mean, like we already know, uh, but well, the anyway. casual people don't know. But at the same time, casual, the casual people don't know. But also, casual people aren't going to see seven morphers lined up and think, oh. Seven this Rangers. is promotion for a show that's had to this Nor point practically no promotion. Care is the important part, yeah, because um, they're casual. But um, anyway, so with Hall H being canceled, all those people that usually go to Hall H came to the exhibit hall. So as early as Thursday, it felt like Saturday in the exhibit hall, shoulder to shoulder, everywhere you went. Um, you know, if COVID's still a thing, I'm pretty sure I have it because uh, there was no way of, of not contracting every disease known to mankind <laughs> with all those people in there, which was weird because I haven't done that since before the COVID era. So it's like, Gosh, what am I? I've been to some I'm... concerts where like, I'll just walk out of it, be like, I'm covered. This is probably half of the sweats mine, you know, yeah. just kind of. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Surrounded, touching and 12 people all at once. Just because people you can't not... don't care about space. No. I mean, I was probably side shuffling between people every day. Uh, people were side shuffling between me. Like I could literally be, and I did. I was having conversations with, um, you know, industry professionals in their booths, like where there's no walkway between us, and people would still come and get between us. And go, excuse me, excuse me, and like like crowd us and shuffle through. That's just how busy it was. Wow. Um, so I feel really good. I know talking to a couple of the, the people that do have businesses and are selling stuff like your your t-shirt vendors and stuff man they made a killing Good. um yeah t-shirts uh mystery boxes um anything like you know that's not necessarily toys um yeah. they did fantastic yeah there was some toy movement too but those are from the companies but like the smaller time guys they were making they said they were making sunday money on thursday sunday's always their busiest day because everyone wants to get a souvenir from the show so they rush to get right. it they were making sunday money on thursday so I can That's only cool. imagine how the rest of their show was. So for them, it was great. And then on top of that, people that want to go to panels and they couldn't go to Hall H, where did they end up going? To all the panels that are inside that, you know, weren't big enough for a big room. So uh, Thursday, like um, Hasbro had a Dungeons and Dragons panel nice. right, be right before the Transformers panel in the same room. The Dungeons and Dragons panel filled up and there was... Was it for the game or for the movie? For the, the action figures for the game for the game awesome and the panel it wasn't a huge panel room it was i, I think it's i think they said it seemed like 150 um they turned away probably 200 people that were lined wow. up that could not get in the panel wow. that's really cool and and it sucked for me because we are trying to do the transformers panel right afterwards and normally we like to sneak in and then after yeah. you know people get up when that panel ends we move closer up to get a better thing and we i mean we still managed to do that when they open the doors finally, but um, I had never seen a panel get full and then not let people in. And that happened a lot. Um, they got some really good books coming out soon. Uh, I know Big B presents glory of the giants is coming out in like uh, about a month. And then they announced uh, planescape 
is getting a box set soon. So they have a lot to talk about at a panel like that. And yeah, like, it, like I said, yeah. it filled up and people were angry that they couldn't get in. And so Hasbro was giving apologies saying next year we'll, we'll get a, a bigger room. We didn't realize we were going to need room. Um, Transformers didn't fill up all the way, but it was pretty full. Um, G.I. Joe Classified um, did fill up. Um, but that was mostly because there was a panel before that a lot of people wanted, and there was a panel after that a lot of people wanted. So people mm. camped the G.I. Joe panel. But again, another situation where when the previous panel got out, only 20 people were able to get in who weren't already in there. Um, which means me watching it live streamed on someone's YouTube was the best way for me to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, and so, you know, that's that's the joy and the the pain of having no Hall H. Uh, entertainment was the fact that everyone went to the smaller things which is huge for your comic book creators and if there was an autograph signing on the floor from any comic creator boom huge lines um that's awesome that's really cool i know um uh kyle uh higgins a friend of a friend of the show uh image comics radiant black the massive verse um i went to his panel uh front row seat gotta represent um my foot is available in a picture online from his panel. You can see my my foot and my shoe. Um, Not to be creepy, Kyle. but they uh, Kyle released a podcast of that entire panel that they did for the Massiverse, mm-hmm. and I think I heard you laugh at one point. Probably, I was like, "That sounds like Chris in the in the crowd. That might be him." But I was right up front. Next hearing that you're right up front makes a lot of sense now. Oh yeah, right up front. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Really excited for everything they're doing. Uh, they released a uh, they're doing a Kickstarter for a fi- fighting card game. From Solo Studios. I know. I'm um, so hyped for that. So uh, for that. I, They got Dan Mora to do the artwork for the game. So good. Yeah. Which that was had instantly me, like, the background on my phone. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Stand. one picture of like all the heroes on it. Yeah. Massiverse, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, like I, I, yeah, I had a moment so there. Good. Yeah, um, so good. And every, everything they're doing is great. Um, you know, Melissa Flores, uh, another friend uh, of, of all of us on the show. Um, she landed Spider Gwen. I saw that yeah. ongoing oh, Spider Gwen. Yeah, I'm so um, it's hard to imagine how little she had to do with comics like like five years ago, and yeah. she is just ruling the comic world right now. It, like in in my little corner of comics that I care about, at least I love it so much because I know because her and Kyle became good friends when Kyle worked on Power Rangers, and she's always been a storyteller. Right. That yeah. she just didn't write. She was a storyteller on the creative side, on the, the producing side. Um, and I know Kyle desperately wanted to give her a shot at, at doing it, you know, for for a living in, in comic book and 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 she is just taking off. I'm so happy, I'm so proud of her. Well, she he gave such... her testing ground, um, because she used to work on the Unleashed with with yes. uh Megan Camarena uh right. after Hyperforce, and Kyle gave her the back matter of reading black. I think yes. one of the first back matters was uh melissa writing a sequel series to the unleashed if i'm not if i'm not mistaken i think that was like getting your feet wet like how it goes see how it works or whatever yeah Um, that's what i'm saying is like i remember seeing that and being like oh yeah no speak for anybody or anything that happened i always figured that was my understanding of it but um mm -hmm. yeah then and then she she got the dead lucky um and then um Daphna over at Boom Studios obviously worked with Melissa when she was a Saban on the Power Rangers stuff. Um after she got her feet wet, they ended up offering her Power Rangers and she's done nothing but amazing things on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um and then she did uh she did a, a one shot, I want to say, or, or an anniversary or issue for the women of Marvel. 
um definited no uh, melissa melissa okay yeah and then and then because i was trying to talk to her right before the panel and she was like i'm sorry i'm so busy i'm I'm like a little of the last minute thing so then she, it was at the, i believe at that time she got last minute added on to the women of marvel panel um where they did announce i believe that she was doing a uh, spider going on the ongoing spider going um which i like i said i am i cannot be more excited or more thrilled to see her blowing up as a creative yeah. uh creative mm-hmm. person um yeah she's thriving in comics and doing great work yes and that's huge right now too because spider gwen's everywhere you know so that's really mm-hmm. awesome spider-man in general any spider-man property is a huge yeah, property right now true. i mean the, and... the little there's like a little neighbor girl uh who lives not too far away and i was asking her one day i'm like so who's your favorite superhero and she's like ghost spider and like, <laughs> it was and... it was one of the first moments where i was just like Oh wow, that is like oh yeah popular with the kids now, like Spider yeah. Gwen. Well, yeah. you got that you got that kid show on Disney, uh, on Disney XD or whatever they call it. Their yeah, Disney exactly. Channel. It, it was it was around the time where like I was vaguely aware that that show existed. I just didn't realize how popular it was yet. Yeah, my yeah, youngest no. calls her Gwenny. It's adorable. He's like, I love Gwenny. <laughs> and it's just you like to root for good people and good things to happen to good people. And Absolutely. that's exactly who like Melissa and Kyle and Ryan Parrott and mm-hmm. Matt Groom. They announced a Kickstarter for Inferno Girl Red Book 2, which I will be backing yes. a day one backer oh, yeah. um, as soon as that launches. If you haven't <laughs> picked up Inferno Girl Red, the first book yet, please do. It is such a wonderful book and great <laughs> for I mean, I, 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 I mean, we we can go into it forever. So I'll, and I'll also just real quick, just to help plug is again, I support everything Massiverse. The Kickstarter edition of Inferno Gold Red book one came with so much back matter, like going into the various revisions they did to her suit, uh, going into an uh, entire rule set for a fictional sporting mm-hmm. event that was like touched on for like a second in the comic. Yep. That's but there's like a whole rules and like a diagram of the stadium. Like, well, it in, is in, so worth it to back they the have, Kickstarters. They had so many creative fan art talent that they had do art prints that you that are collected in the book yeah. um, that they did as, you know, exclusive covers or whatever. Um, I did. I, I, I when I backed it, I did the one where I get. A physical copy of every single one of those um cool. and some of them are, are are friends of mine they become friends of mine over time and stuff and you know um i just it's support good people doing good things and the massiverse yeah. mm-hmm. uh is, is is great people doing great things and yep. you will not be disappointed getting yourself involved into that you will find yourself spending a lot of money and a lot of books and enjoying mm-hmm. every single second of it and i will say i believe kyle sold out at least of radiant black volume one maybe even volume two at his autograph signing that's Um, great if you went in line you got the free poster but then people also ran and bought the trade to have him sign the trade as well yeah Mm -hmm. when we when we saw the igr volume two drop i showed my wife she was like you're backing that i'm so excited because i got her all (laughs) into it too so like yeah no it's just there's something for everybody as we always Mm -hmm. say you know it's um but yeah i mean so san diego as a whole um not a lot of like entertainment news coming out of it, obviously, because like I said, no one could do anything about it. So Marvel pulled out, Sony pulled out, um, Netflix pulled out. A lot of these companies now also do their own online events or in-person events. Dumb, um, dumb. Um, Disney kind of does D23 is their big event now that they do every single year. So yeah. they hold most yeah. of their stuff back for that. Um, DC 
still kind of participates. They're in flux right now with the Warner Brothers DC Discovery merge. Stuff, yeah. um, so that's, that's kind of in this such a weird place. We I will have say a whole episode in that whole. They had a Blue Beetle costume on display. Ooh, oh, yeah. Really? I did take pictures of it. I just haven't shared it yet. But yeah, I did take a bunch of pictures of it. Um, it looks fantastic. Of course, I love amazing. that suit. Um, I cannot wait for that movie. Um, yeah, me too, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was it was this convention more than any other San Diego was a chance for comic book creators to shine and they did shine. And um, I couldn't be happier because I, I do feel and it's been that unspoken thing, I think, in the San Diego Comic-Con community where it's like it felt like the entertainment companies uh, kind of, you know, shoved the comic book guys out. All yeah, the big yeah. stuff that always came out of Comic-Con was the entertainment stuff. You didn't really get the comic stuff now. I mean, one of the hottest items, just to put in retrospect, one of the hottest items to get at this convention was the um, free Ashcan Transformers comic from Skybound. Skybound being a part of Image, the Transformers and G.I. Joe license. Um, uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel Warren, Daniel Johnson, Daniel Johnson, one of those one of those three combinations. is the writer and artist. And so they had the ash can, which is a black and white version. They also had an exclusive cover too, Um, but it's a black and white version of the, of the first issue that's coming out. And they had, you know, like eight pages, some of the stuff redacted, but you got to see like what the book's going to look like. It looks fantastic, but that that was gone. I was gone day one. Um, And then anything to do with transformers comic book in that line was uh, a, a madhouse. Like I, even if I wanted to go in there and take a picture, they had one day up where they had a, a room like a little tent you could go into a standing room tent and they had all the comic artwork in the tent so you could take a 360 picture of like the covers and stuff that was up for one day and the line to get into it was capped within 20 wow. minutes of the show opening um, wild. and then his signing was crazy the panel he did was a packed house because yeah. uh, he was there with robert kirkman and um yeah i mean it's just it was good to see. I mean, I, I think that's the like I said, the best way I can sell at Comic Con was this was a comic book convention. Um, there was plenty of toys though, plenty of toys, plenty. Yeah. plenty and plenty you know, I I do want to just like put out there, like I definitely support the writer strike and the actor strike. The definitely, studios definitely. are so inflated and corrupt, and these folks deserve to get paid. Um, yep. But it really sounds like. The strike also benefited all of these comic creators so, so much at San Diego. Like, that is really heartwarming to hear because the people that, like, I want to see succeed are the folks who's, like, the stories kind of, like, originate with them, you know? And I'm seeing them get the recognition they so, so, so deserve. Yeah. It 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 feels to me that over the course of the last since the Marvel Universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe took off and really changed the superhero movie landscape um, for the good or for the bad, however you want to view it. It does to me kind of feel like and I think a lot of comic book creators, longtime people in the game would probably feel this way, too, is that San Diego Comic-Con became less about comic books and more about movie studios mm-hmm. and anything they ever did was completely and always overshadowed by the studios. To the point where the studios have now, after COVID, and they start doing their own stuff and people shut up for it. They're like, oh, we don't need San Diego Comic-Con anymore. We can do our own thing and we can control everything and the information and how it works. And I want to say, while I don't necessarily think that they'll have any attendance problems at their own things, I think ditching San Diego Comic-Con and giving it back to comic books, 
I think right. we'll come back and it's great, but I think it'll bite them in the rear end in the meantime, because if you love Iron Man, the comic book, you probably enjoyed Iron Man one and two and maybe like three. I don't know. The movies and, uh, and the Avengers. Um, so you probably enjoyed those movies and then going to the comic book convention where you can get an old Iron Man comic book that you wanted, or you can meet the guy who's writing the comic book and then also catch a glimpse of Robert Downey Jr. on stage somewhere that just made a, a magical experience. But now they want you to come to San Diego Comic-Con to get the comic book and meet the writer. Then they want you to go to D23 to meet the actor, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and people aren't, don't have a budget to do that and if you have to pick one over the other for me personally i'm always going to pick san diego comic-con because that's like hanging with your people you know it's Mm -hmm. it's you're hanging out with fellow comic book fans with superhero fans with toy collectors it's all of us together and on our happy place and And it's just to meet new people too oh my gosh i met so many people this week it's so easy at, at cons just to be like Hey, you're sure there's an obscure thing that I too like. Let us discuss, and now a friendship is born. I stepped outside to um, make a phone call and met a guy who liked my uh, Power Ranger hat that I had on, and we talked Power Rangers briefly. And then I mentioned Radiant Black, and he said he'd heard of it. So I kind of started talking to him a little bit about it. Started talking about what the Massiverse is. Um, we traded uh, um, Instagram handles or whatever, and he added me as a friend. And then he went and sent me a picture that he bought all three trades and um, nice. said he was going to read them. And, and then later on the show, he sent me a text that he read the f- whole first trade in the first night. He said he went, <laughs> he went to bed, awesome. read the whole trade. He's addicted. He asked me when the Massiverse panel was. Um, I think you know, out it, of, yeah, I think out of anything, that was kind of like the biggest, like, ah, oh, I wanted to, would want to be there for that. Like, that was my same. biggest FOMO of yeah. the whole thing was seeing the card game sample, seeing that poster mm-hmm. and like all the Such announcements. I was just like, ah, I want all of that. <laughs> but yeah. Next yeah. year, Mason, next year, next year. Yeah. We'll get yeah. you on the floor. We'll get you in. Um, down. I did bring your, I did bring your name up. So it's, yeah. uh, it's on the right. list of possibilities. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so that would kind of be my, my brief um, without going to too much deal. San Diego comic-con recap, as far as any like fun things that went on. Um, you know, uh, we made our night out Thursday night as far as going out and having drinks and enjoy the town. Apparently, everybody else made Friday night their night out um, <laughs> or even Saturday. Saturday was a huge night out, too. Um, both of those nights, obviously, Friday, I was actually recovering for the most part from my <laughs> Thursday night for most of the day. Recovering and working. I, I <laughs> like... too old. I am too old. I am too old to party like I was in my 20s. And I partied like I was in my 20s. And it was one of those fun things where. We went out, just had a dinner, just me and my buddy um, had a nice dinner, had some drinks, started drinking a little bit early. Um, I had no kids. It was okay. It was my chance to let loose. One thing I did want to talk about, and I completely forgot about it, so I'm glad I just remembered it. Hasbro did do something cool. They didn't have a a shop on the sales floor this year, but they did have an external pop-up shop called the Hasbro Vault. Like the Hasbro Pulse Vault. Yeah, Yeah, you were talking about that. Where they did have some, a couple of exclusives, the Star Wars and Transformers exclusive toy in hand available for you to go to the vault and you could buy, as well as a ton of other merchandise that they were showcasing on the show available to buy. Like they had a bunch of Power Rangers stuff you could buy. Um, But what's really cool is they call it the vault because they actually went into their actual archives in Rhode Island 
um, and pulled out all their box samples of some of their oldest toy lines because Hasbro is celebrating 100 years this year. Um, and they put up displays of some of their biggest and greatest toy lines uh, from both Hasbro and Kenner and Tonka, you know, because they've absorbed companies yeah. from the last 100 years. So imagine my both awe, shock, and horror when, <laughs> for example, the G.I. Joe line from 1984-85, there was a playset called the Terror Dome, which was Cobra's headquarters. It was this large, huge dome that you had to build, put stickers on, whatever. They actually went into their archive, opened the one they had in their archive, assembled it in the vault, put stickers on wow. it. So it was like a, a, a case fresh Terror Dome and then filled it with three and three quarter G.I. Joe figures like Gosh. like the old school wow. old. They did it with mask. Remember mask, you know, and period mask. a period. And, you know, yeah. they did the same thing. They had every mask vehicle out there, all brand new, fresh stickers. The place said everything was like crisp. And so I was just like, I was hurt because I know they had to open these boxes and take them out and assemble them. But at the same time, like I've just for a minute, just for a minute, you felt like you were transported back to a 1980s. I know it's a little bit young for you guys, but 1980s for me, uh, Toys R Us, where they, had, where they had the toys on display um, or seeing, you know, they they had uh, pictures and pictures of like, you know, uh, design sheets from their toy lines over the years. And then they had everything that was there they had on display you could play with. So I ran around with the Power Sword. Um, I messed around with the Zap Megazord and Dragon Zord because I don't have them. Um, played with a Transformer toy. Played with a Nerf toy. They gave me a, a Force FX lightsaber to swing around, which, um, again, um, I had started in the adult activities prior to going there. So it was probably not the best <laughs> idea on their part um, to give me a lightsaber. Uh, and they were like, oh, you need to take it home. I was like, you don't understand. I <laughs> if I take this home. <laughs> this thing breaks within 15 seconds of me walking in the door because it uh -huh. becomes an actual lightsaber to them at that point and oh, it yeah. will shatter and be destroyed. And if I spend $200 on a broken toy, I'm like <laughs> I'm going to let my wife come back here to this very location and talk to you specifically <laughs> and let you explain to her what you did. There's a, there's just... a real quick story insert here. Um, I planned uh, my my uh, dear dear friend Chris, uh, different Chris, uh, his bachelor party, and uh, we held it at a board game bar. But I had delivered to everyone's doorstep beforehand a, a custom Star Wars costume and lightsaber. Nice. So we all played board games and drank in costume, and then had a huge lightsaber war, just drunk as heck in the parking lot, and. If you've never had a drunk parking lot lightsaber battle, I recommend it. It's a dad's or dork's <laughs> Have recommendation. Lived? Have you lived? Yeah. If you're um, over 21. Yes. 21. Drink responsibly. Sometimes um, I forget kids might listen to this podcast. And then and then the last place we went to, there's a Super 7 uh, pop-up shop as well. They are yet another licensee of Hasbro that, uh, you know, kind of makes seven inch figures of their toys um of their action figures and stuff like that and uh they did gi joe themed it was a cobra outpost shop so they painted cobra logos on the outside you know um and you walk inside and there's like cobra recruiting pamphlets all the merchandise that they had exclusive to the show an entire wall full of nothing but their gi joe toys which brought me back to like the 80s again like walking through toys for us and there's just like nothing but it's all in retro packaging and stuff i'm just like huh um you know and they, you know, <laughs> you walk in, they're like, Cobra. You're like, Cobra. <laughs> um, 
That's cool. It was, I mean, it was just, it was fun. That's the kind of stuff I love. And I love when companies go out of their way to do fun stuff like that. So I have to give props to Super 7 because that was a really cool experience. And then they had, like I said, their toys on display and a giant Thundercat layer. Um, Ooh. But we'll, we'll get into that. That's actually a segue into our next segment. Um, and I'm really curious to hear what you guys have to say about this because I know my answers. I've been thinking about my answers since I was there. Um, favorite reveals, whether they be merch, comics, like comic book news or whatever, and toys um, from San Diego Comic-Con 2023. Before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, I've been looking yeah. through the toy art. Um, did you get out to the Dragon Ball display? I didn't, but my buddy did. Okay. I, yeah. I, I walked, I did walk by it, but the line to get in there was ridiculous. Gotcha. And it may have only been 75 degrees and slightly breezy, but that sun still beats down on you like a mofo. Yeah. And I, I was like, nope, I'm not having it. I could have gone out there okay. later in, in the show um, when it died down a little bit because they also were doing, that's where they were also handing out tickets to get their exclusives. So you had double line issues there. Um, gotcha. And I, because then people wanted to go inside after they got the tickets and they could only have so many people in there at one point. But it was, it was impressive. Um, they had giant yeah, looked- statues of like Piccolo and Gohan and Cell. Um, so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you, you got a free bag for going in there. And then they had uh, all the figure arts on display, all the toys and stuff like that. And, the um, uh, Yamcha getting murdered is probably one of my favorite displays. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so cool. I, I didn't see that. Yeah. I, I wanted to go in there, but like I said, I had to. I also, I'm a huge Transformers nerd. I didn't even go to the side of Petco Field where they, in the parking lot, they put all the Transformers statues that they oh. did for promoting the movie. They had them all there. And we didn't, we didn't even go there because we were like, so walking busy. sucks. Walking yeah. sucks. And I didn't want to take an Uber. Um, okay. Yeah. Was, I didn't mean to derail the stuff. No, 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 no. You're good. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you about that because I was looking through that and that was just looked so cool to me. I showed my kids those pictures too that he posted up there and I was just like, because uh, we had just watched Super, Dragon Ball Superhero again and they were like, yeah. A giant cell that's so cool, you know. So they were it's, like freaking out. It's cool, and they all had a, a Dragon Ball shirts on. And we went, um, on 2019 when we went, they had the same kind of like setup up there, and uh, we just <clears throat> kind of hopped the fence. <laughs> and um, I mean, we knew them, they knew us, so they were like, Oh, yeah, come on in. So we hopped the fence, we didn't wait in line, but we all got uh, Goku shirts. Like, oh, like nice. it looked like his gi or whatever, and they were doing the uh, trying to set the world record for the um most people doing a Kamehameha at the same time. So Sean, Sean Schemmel was there, the voice of Goku for, oh, for nice. the English dub. And so he led the whole cool. crowd of like 300 people screaming Kamehameha. That's awesome. And they took a picture and submitted it to the Guinness World Records. And they're like, this is now a new world record. So I can say I was part of a world record for the uh, participant in the uh, most Kamehamehas at the same time. That's pretty dope. Nice. Indeed. Cool. A favor reveals. Who wants to go first? I would definitely like to go first because I'm worried one of you guys are going to claim this one. The <laughs> three zero one six scale Power Ranger Zeo Red Ranger figure. That thing looks incredible. That thing, it looks so good. I missed it fact... because they premiered it at the very end of the show on Saturday night. Oh, bummer. So I never got to go. It's, like, yeah, it's gorgeous. Uh, he has the sword. Uh, it it looks like it looks like it came off the show. It looks like it came from the show. It really does. And the fact that they made non MMPR, like especially with the Lightning Collection going on hiatus, supposedly, um, it just oh, it, it, it kind of gave me hope 
Well, I know, but I have to say allegedly until Hasbro says something. They did um, say something. Did they? Oh, cool. Yeah, the with show. Lightning Collection going on hiatus. It's 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 reassuring to know that other companies are willing to expand beyond MMPR. Is it still Zordon era? Yeah, but it just it looks so good. Yeah, it um, it really does. And and it gives me hope because obviously I am a Zeo Gold Ranger fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so normally your top selling merchandise outside of MMPR is your Red Ranger and Sixth Ranger. Yep. So I'm hoping and also dreading. Um, yeah. <laughs> dreading. If and cost. when they decide that, yeah. and if and when they decide to do a one six scale Zeo Gold Ranger, and if they do, I might end up buying two. I don't know, but I can tell you for a fact that those three zero figures sold incredibly well, which is why I'm this sure. is even happening in the first place. Um, those things have sold out everywhere. It's impossible That's to so get cool. most of them at this point. Um, there's a gallery at Tokyo Nation you can check out of them. Um, yes. When they first um, came out, but. But yeah, besides cause... that, the Massiverse card game, I I heard about that and I was just like, I thought for sure that I already knew about everything they'd kind of be like talking about at the Massiverse panel, but that one really caught me by surprise and I'm very excited for it. Yes, that um, I had kind of caught wind that that was an idea. I never knew that it went past an idea stage or a quick mm-hmm. conversation stage. Um, but to see it come to fruition and see a Kickstarter announcement that they're going to launch a Kickstarter for it, I really hope it gets funded. Um, even even though I'll never have anyone to play the card game with unless like one of the three of us or, or one of our friends uh, is in town, uh, just for the art. Just you to can have find a way to play it on the podcast too, but you're right. The art itself is worth it. Yeah, no, I'm going to back that Kickstarter 100%, and I showed yep. my son, and he's a big Massive Verse <clears throat> fan too, so he's like, I'll play this with you, so that's uh, cool. I'm pretty excited about that. And it seems pretty easy to pick up and play too, which is cool based on their system. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And that came way out of left field. Like you said, I had no clue mm-hmm. that that I kind of I kind of felt Infernal Girl Red too coming like before they actually the article leaked beforehand. like a, yeah like an hour before the panel. Yeah. So the whole thing, but uh, I think my favorite reveal of the show I'm or we're, we're me and my son are just really excited about the new Spider Man game for PS Five, and. Yeah. Uh, it, not toy related obviously or anything like that but oh no they, it could be anything related from San Diego. they debuted the story trailer where it kind of explained a little more about what's happening and uh, at the beginning of the trailer harry says we're gonna you know we're gonna change the world or something like that and then at the end of the trailer venom says the same thing so it like confirmed that harry's gonna be venom in this game which is which is cool because you know everybody's told the eddie brock story and uh, so it's cool to kind of insomnia insomniacs having that room to take that liberty of like telling a completely different story with Venom. And I think just it just looks so polished and good. And I'm, we're just like really excited. So that was probably my biggest aside from everything we've already talked about massive verse wise and that Zio red, you know, figure and things like that. It was pro that was probably the biggest thing for this house. Cause we watched that trailer all together. Even my wife watched it. She was like, dang, this looks like a movie. It looks really good. And then the boys and I like have watched it so many times. We like picked the whole thing apart and we're like, Oh, there was that, <laughs> that cameo in the trailer. And like, they've really gone deep dive on it and they're just 
super, super excited. They also announced that they're doing a special edition PlayStation 5 uh, for place for uh, the new Spider-Man game. And I'm like, I've been in the market for another PlayStation 5 just because like the one upstairs gets hogged now because my son plays. And when he, I have time to play when he plays. And I'm like, this is really annoying because we <laughs> both want to play games at the same time. So I might pick that up and it just looks so cool. So, yeah. Me, um, obviously, I'm a huge into merch and stuff like that. I did like a lot of the comic reveals that came out. Uh, everything Massiverse, like you guys have said, the three zero uh, uh, subline, the Fig Zero that they do, the red Zio Red is obviously really cool. Um, some other like cool little standouts that I found that I really thought were cool. Kristar, uh, Marvel Legends Kristar, based off an old like 1970s or even early 80s toy line. Um, that got absorbed. It was a Marvel Comics figure or whatever, and even had his own toy line. Like I think it was in the seventies. I'm not hundred percent sure, but um, there's a lot of hype for that figure. Like a lot of of the old time guys are super stoked because it's the first time in since the toy line came out um, that the things had a toy come out. Um, so a lot of people are excited for that. Uh, you have your your Marvel Legends where um, the rip off DC character wave. Back when Marvel made a whole bunch of characters yeah. just like steal, trying to steal the IP a little bit out of uh, DC. They're making uh, Marvel Legends of all those figures. That That's was so cool. Um, the most impressive reveal, I thought, was the HasLab uh, Star Wars uh, Ghost. I think it's huge. It's the size of a coffee table. Um, I'm not a Star Wars uh, super fan or anything like that, so it's not on my list at all. But for those who are into the vintage collection and, and vehicles like that, uh, it's already it's already funded. It already got its eight thousand backers That's after cool. like three days, um, which cool. is their first their first funding since um, uh, geez since the barge. I think I can't remember now. It's been it's been a couple of years you since mean, they uh, successfully funded a project for you Star mean Wars. The Inquisitor lightsaber didn't get funded, <laughs> or the Rancor. Um, the Rancor. Gosh, I forgot I thought, about that Inquisitor lightsaber. I thought yeah. that was cool. Um, uh, obviously, I'm a Transformers and a GI Joe guy, so the some of the reveals they did there, Transformers. Um, for me, it's it's not a huge reveal, but for me, it was a huge reveal. So um, they have uh, the Stunticons, right, which is a Decepticon combiner group of cars. Um, so they just did a few years ago a whole line of toys all focused on combining, and it was pretty cool. It was like a new, you know, a new vision or whatever of a. Uh, um, of those toys and what they could look like and how they could combine. And it was all right. It was still kind of weird looking. And then when they redid things after that with the next line, they called it siege, a war for Cybertron. It was three, three years of, of kind of like original toys redesigned in modern era. So your toys, they, they wanted them to look just like they did in the animation and have the same functionality. They decided to start doing the Stunticon. So I have Menasaur. He's right there. Oh yeah. You guys can see. Yep. Him. I see him. Uh, he was my favorite combiner um, when I was a kid because it's like five car a truck and four cars and they combine into a Decepticon Super Warrior um, and they made it actually look like the cartoon. The cartoon and the toy did not look anything like when I was a wow. kid. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. what happened. They screwed up the animation model, whatever. They actually pulled off an animation accurate combining Menasaur where the toys all look like their cartoon and they combine just like the cartoon. That's cool. Well, one of the things they're doing is um, they're doing a gift set of it like they used to do back in the 80s where you could just buy all five of them in one big box. Yeah. And they even designed the box to look like it did back in the 80s. And then, That's of so course, cool. 
of course to make it you know kind of cool they changed the paint so this is cartoon accurate the box set is going to be the original toy coloring and point toy paint job which is different gotcha. um to give hmm. you a reason to buy it so there's 174 dollars and 99 cents that i'm going to be out of um when that goes up for pre-order later this year <laughs> yeah. that's a personal favorite um some other things i like that kind of went under the radar a little bit um in my circle, because I'm, my friends aren't really huge fans of Masters of the Universe, they're uh, rebranding their collector line a little bit. So they're changing the boxes. They're going to look more like Marvel Legend box now. Um, and then the, one of their new figures they're doing, they're doing the He-Man movie uh, Tila figure, which oh, yeah, just I looks incredible. Yeah. Just looks incredible. And then they're also um, Revelations, the cartoon series that they did on Netflix. That's going into another season i believe so they have some yeah. new characters coming out for that and then in that like masters of the universe collector line or whatever um they're revamping the origins line so they're redoing that again i think or just changing it up so fully articulated they look like they did the toys from the 80s but they're now fully articulated but they still have the same classic look um and then they're also doing a modern style kind of reimagining them they, they look fantastic really like i'm not a he-man guy but if i was i'd be super excited um super seven had the thundercats layer which was a lot cheaper than i thought it was going to be it's only 650 with 100 dollars shipping for a giant seven inch scale thundercats layer um yeah if you're a thundercats guy and they're the only company doing anything thundercats related so that's hmm. cool uh, yeah that seems like one missed of opportunities for other companies that's one of those brands that I still hope finds a way to come back mainstream again. Um, it did in 2011 for about a year and a half, uh, and then Bandai just absolutely trashed it with the toys. Um, mm. So, and then that was Warner Brothers. So I think they still have the license. I just don't know what they're going to do with it or the IP. Um, GI Joe Classified didn't have anything super huge to announce. Uh, they just revealed some some artwork and some new figures and stuff, and they all look fantastic. I mean, I showed you guys a, a new figure I got on the stream. Um, yeah. And I just I, I for what you get for twenty four ninety nine or whatever the price point is for the figure that you buy, you get so much stuff. And that's lot. the one yeah. thing I took away from the G.I. Joe classified panel that I think is really important. And I wish that more toy companies did this with their toys. Their motto is it has to be fun to play and fun to display, meaning and it you know, looks like a lot of fun to play. Yeah. Like, they, they, they don't I'm just the, have I'm, like the accessories aren't just the, hold them it's like, like you can actually like interact with the accessories this guy yeah i mean, can't obviously listeners can't hear i'm holding classified rock and roll like he's cool right he's got his like you know rock yeah. on fist or whatever but he also comes like a little mini walkie-talkie yeah so and then on top things. of that he's got a he's got a holster right here and it's a gun that comes out that he can hold yeah. on top of his fully functional machine gun yeah. including you were you going know, into the ability to those... put the things up and put them yeah, down that stuff yeah it's awesome. and it's so this... you see utility belts being just painted on with no, like every... maybe a single holster but like yeah look at this like that dude everything looks decked out like see this right here ready well you can take it off you don't want it you That's can take it awesome. off same Bad. with this one you can just slide it off like I the did... amount of stuff that goes into this 24.99 yeah. figure just blows me away yeah well, in uh, bridging off to stoked. another company that makes toys is McFarlane. One thing I did notice is they announced a six pack Batman set from the movies, and Ooh, that I didn't cool. see that. Yeah, yes. so all the movies are getting a Batman figure what else? through McFarlane, hmm. which is really cool. They announced something else. They're doing. They did a they bat, doing? They're doing. They're doing uh, Batman Nightfall thirtieth. They're anniversary. doing a, Oh yeah. 
they're doing a Batman the Animated Series six inch line. Oh, really? Ooh, like continuing that, that'll off, be good. Continuing off of where Mattel was yeah. doing it. So I'll have to I don't know if they're re-releasing this. the toys or if they're redoing them, but it's a Batman the Animated Series, but it's in six inch scale, which for those who don't know, McFarlane rocks a six and a half and seven inch scale figures. Yeah. So um, they're yeah, they're a bit so, bigger. So to do six inch, so it's in line with the rest of your collection is like I am I'm stoked and it, McFarlane's sculpting the thing with McFarlane's sculpting is none of his sculpts none of his toys share parts every figure yeah. is 100% its own unique sculpt yeah. the downside is sometimes the articulation like he's still in like the early 2000s level of articulation sometimes where some figures they're always going to be meant to be posed with their arm bent so you only get one joint and you can't yeah. move the shoulder because they didn't put a butterfly joint in so he's stuck forever with his shoulder leaning forward <laughs> He does sometimes that sometimes. You best consider but... them statues. Exactly. And that's yeah. if you've ever been a McFarlane toy collector, you know that. Like I collected yeah. the Halo figures they did way back in the day. And yeah, their legs move and their arms move. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but it's quality but the... stuff for a good price point. And that's the, yes. the, the very much It so. looks you know. cool on your shelf. Is it yeah. fun to play with? Mm, questionable, but it's fun to display. Yeah. So I remember Toast um in a previous episode when we were talking about collecting mentioned his McFarlane collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he posted a picture of it and they all look it, it was if I remember correctly, it was a diverse line of characters from like different comics and different movies and stuff, but they all looked really good next to each other too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. McFarlane rocks his sculpting is some of the best sculpting work you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. Um and of course, I mean, there's tons of comic book displays. I was or revealed that I didn't follow super, super high on them. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's just it was a jam packed show. It was a lot of fun, yeah. a lot of cool stuff coming out. Yeah, that's cool. Back we'll we'll link we'll link we'll link to the Toy Arc uh, right. thread um, news story with all these links so you guys can go through gonna... like the collector side of things mm-hmm. at least and take a look at it. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say outside I'll of toys. That... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Mason. Go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, I'll put that master, um, the master list of all everything you guys did at the show. Um, that was just bang up work, so everybody can look yep. at it. Yeah, been yep. really and, enjoying going through this as you've been talking about it. So, and outside of toys, there weren't a ton of like trailers released, but one that was released that uh, got me very, very hyped: Invincible season two. Yes. Which, okay. if you guys haven't seen Invincible season one, wonderful. Such a good show. A lot of similar vibes to Radiant Black. Don't watch it with your kids, though. It gets violent. Mm-hmm. But even the, even the walkie-talkie has paint. <laughs> that rules. That's so good. I mean, come um, on. Sorry, sorry. But yeah, but they 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 didn't reveal too much in their trailer. But what they did do is they revealed all the returning voice cast and a ton of new voice cast and the Peter Invincible Collins show. Peter Cullen, voice of Optimus Prime. Yeah, he's voicing Peter Cullen is uh, voicing cool. Thaddeus, um, which is just such a good casting if you've read the comics. Like that is such, it's it's perfect. And they had a little clip of Thaddeus with uh, Peter Cullen's voice. Um, they have Tim Robinson coming in from I think you should leave, and I'm baffled by that choice and can't wait to see who he voices. I didn't know he does voice work, but they brought him in. Um, they have uh, Sterling Brown. Um, 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 Tatiana Manislani, like they are, they are nailing the voice acting game. And of course, J.K. Simmons is coming back as Omni Man, which, again, even if you haven't seen Invincible, you've probably seen a couple clips of 
J.K. Simmons is, is Omni Man. Like he's just if, talking about, but fun voice acting facts. This mm-hmm. is a little bit off topic, a little bit off topic, but things I love about some of these voice actors. So you guys know who James Marsden is? Yes. Okay, he played Piccolo in the live action Dragon Ball movie. Hmm. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he different, was different. James Marsden. Yeah. Yes, but I mean, but still, but he was so embarrassed, I guess, or so ashamed of of yeah. how that character was portrayed. He reached out to Christopher Sabat during Dragon Ball Super and said, "I need to redeem myself to the community. Give me a character to voice. I want to voice a character. I'll do it. You know, dirt cheap, whatever." So he is actually the voice of Zamasu in Dragon Ball Super. Oh, English okay. Dub. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, yeah. Which, well, I mean, it's just little things like that. Like, you know, like somebody who was part of a movie and part of a franchise felt bad about how their role was depicted, didn't enjoy yeah. the time of the movie, decides to reach out, didn't have to do that. You know, he's yeah. doing his normal career, just but he, he voluntarily, yeah. like, I want to voice a character. I, I feel like That's I need cool. to redeem myself to the franchise and to the community and do something right and voiced one heck of a character in Zamasu. Yeah, that whole Dragon Ball Evolution movie. I've I did a deep dive on how that whole thing in um he was very vocal about the whole situation, how he got sold a bill of goods and all that stuff. So he had every right just to walk away from that film and just be like, I never want to mess with this property again. So that's really cool of him. But no, in- Invincible talk- Invincible Two, yes. I, I I haven't seen Invincible One, but I've heard nothing but fantastic things about it. Mm-hmm. Um so hearing you be excited for the second season of it makes me one want to read the book, the the trade books and stuff, but also check out the uh You should. They're all on the Hoopla. Animation. Shout out to Hoopla. Um but the other thing they did, which was really, really cool, is they they announced Invisible Season Two is coming in November, so it's a bit of a wait. But they also were like, but available today, we have a new special going into the um origins of Adam Eve. And I I've read coincidentally, I was talking to a coworker about um Invincible. And so I read the Adam Eve Origin comic last week, and it's really, really good. It gets it's dark for like a superhero origin kind of thing towards the end. There is like some uh, uh content warning stuff. I'm not gonna say it on the podcast, but like, you know, you should look into it a little bit. Um, but it's still like a very, very compelling story. And the fact that they were like, hey, here's a trailer. Be excited. Well, here's an origin episode. Enjoy, nerds. And I haven't watched it yet, but I'm very excited. So I love when they do that at San Diego where they're like, hey, check out this cool thing. Also, we have a surprise cool thing for you right now. Yep. Love That's when the they best that. kind of surprise. So like build then... up the hype and everyone's accepting of the fact we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait. Oh, we don't have to wait for this next surprise. It's kind of like it's kind of like yeah. Kyle's panel for the Massiverse. He's like, "Hey, we're doing a card game. Check out this yeah, cool I know. art by Dan Moore." And guess what? If you're in the panel room, you're taking one home with you. It's like, yeah, that's so crazy, cool. absolutely yeah. crazy. Sorry, guys. If I could have gotten more, I would have gotten more. No, it's all good. Um, but we did ask on Twitter um, if any of our listeners had um, a favorite reveal, and um, less of a listener, more of a dear friend and guest co-host, uh, Eric Berry. Uh, said that both uh, his wife and I are most hyped for the official One Piece live-action trailer that came out during uh, SCCC. She's a longtime fan of the anime, and I've watched the first 20 episodes. Live-action anime adaptations can be more missed than hit. I hope this is a hit. And 
Uh, I'll make a, a slight nerd confession. I haven't watched any One Piece. Same. Me neither. So yep. I'm excited for the live action so I can go into it blind. Yeah. And just Sorry, kind of do the Dad's Our Dorks One Piece edition. We right. could have a One Piece episode after it comes out. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also so hyped for it because like the actors seem so invested in it. Like they regularly do like the team high five that they do in like the anime. Um, they had like a, a special behind the scenes thing released where the actor who plays Luffy met the Japanese voice actress of Luffy and oh, cool. her kind of giving him a straw hat and uh, welcoming him kind of into the family and saying like how excited she is to see him portray the character. It was very heartwarming and nice. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. That kind of wraps up everything we had planned for the episode here today. Just kind of, like I said, recapping San Diego and talking about that stuff. I, You know what? I really hope one day in the future that all of us can like get together and go to a convention together. Because I think yeah. the three of us together would nerd out pretty hard, especially if it's like a San Diego Literal. setting, which I know would be extremely difficult to pull that off. But um, honestly, you know, we have let's some... look at our 2024 calendar. Yeah. So let's get something planned. I'm in. I think that'd be I'm cool. In. Yeah, I could have gone this yeah. year, but my wife gave me the go ahead. It was just too soon to leave and all that kind of stuff. Let's but... just try to plan to go. I'm down. Yeah. You, if you get the mm -hmm. ticket, if see, if you get the ticket, you can still sell the ticket, I think. Sure. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you get in and you can't go, you can still, you know, get your money back, so to speak. So, um, but the one thing about conventions, um, and I, I've said this on my socials many times since the show, is that all this stuff, all the nerd content, all the toys, all the comics, all the celebrities, all that is cool, but nothing uh, is more meaningful than spending time with your friends. And I was very fortunate to get to spend time with some friends um, that That's I see awesome. at shows throughout the years. Um, a buddy of mine named Joe, um, some of his crew, uh, people that I've met, you know, at San Diego Comic Cons in the past or in other conventions like Power Morphicon or Transformer conventions, uh, vendors that I've developed relationships with. And then obviously, um, you know, uh, because I do cover toys for uh, a side job that I've been doing for 20 years now, you get to know people in the industry. Um, and you know, there is a, a time period where those people stop being, um, you know, oh, it's a person that works at this company and they kind of start becoming like almost like a friend, um, you know, a, a acquaintance that you get to run into, like a friend you only see once a year and you, you stop and you catch up and you get you like you, you like each other. You get to know each other. Um, you ask questions about the families and stuff like that. And that's um, that was the best part was catching up with some of these people that I hadn't seen in four years now. So. Um, that's why I do hope you guys can make it out there because these memories are awesome. But the best memories are the ones with the friends. Yeah. So um, that's what I'm going to take away from the show. The most is, you know, uh, my buddy Joe getting us into the VIP IGN party without an invite. Cause you know, he's a celebrity, I guess. And uh, you know, <laughs> hanging out with him, having some weird guy come up and start like rubbing our shoulders and taking pictures with us. I don't know what he was all about, but. <laughs> and that Joe was Joe Biden. <laughs> god bless you mr president i'm no i'm just <laughs> no i'm really it and... looks like you had a lot of fun and i'm glad you got to like lay it all out there and what happened and all that kind oh, of yeah. stuff with us because the this has been fun just listening and uh you know just it just seems like you just had a great time so i'm really glad and i mean like and, and there's well more you. there's more stories i wish i could share that i shouldn't share um <laughs> 
yeah, it, I mean, there's conversations, you know, because again, like you build relationships with people, and then you know, you you have a conversation, and and all these people, all these professionals, they're people. They're people. So when you get a chance to have a, a actual conversation with them, it's important to remember that they're just another person. And in that moment, they just want to have a person to person conversation. Um, and doing so is so much fun. And then respecting that personal conversation, understand that it is a personal conversation. It's not something meant to go blast on social media. Absolutely. I feel yeah. like this is something we've said before, just that like respect whenever boundaries. you're meeting people like especially people that you're a fan of whether it be musicians or artists or comic book writers or actors or what be it they are in fact just people and just be chill you know just basic conversation skills will take you a lot farther in life than you might think and just being able to be like hey like how is it going like you'd be surprised how much especially at these shows these creators appreciate hey i like what you're doing i'm a fan of your work i hope you're having a good show i hope things are successful for you i'm really rooting for you um you know a comment like that will go so so far with these people because so many people um just want to ask a question about the property that they work on or the toy that they design or you know whatever they're people. This is a job. And when you do that, you are person number 6,432 who's asked a non-personal, strictly toy-related question they've probably heard for the 3,000th time already. So to take that next step and just be like, hey, I hope you're doing well. Uh, you know, so nice to meet you. Yeah. You know, thanks mm -hmm. for what you do. I'm a big fan. I'm really looking forward to everything that you do. And I'm rooting for you. And I got your back. You know, not blowing sunshine up there rear end or anything, but just being respectful. Respectful and like, also, it's kind of a bummer sometimes. Like, where people come up and they're like, Hey, so what's the ending of this series that you just started? And they're like, Well, obviously, I can't answer that question. Well, but if you ask, How are you doing? Are you having a good day today? That's a, to, that's a question anyone can just answer. Just to give you an insight, I, I was having a conversation. Uh, me and my buddy were talking to um, one of the Transformer marketing guys that was at the show. And we're just having casual conversation. We're not talking nerd stuff. You know, we call it nerd stuff, but we're just having casual conversation about conventions in general and stuff like that. And some guy walks up and is like, oh, yeah, this looks really cool. And then he looks right at me, man, these Transformer toys they make now are garbage compared to the 80s stuff, man. Like everything feels so cheap and blah, blah, blah. And my buddy looks at me and goes, well, you're talking to the right guy because he makes them. And like turned and walked away. And I'm like. Uh oh, <laughs> you know, but but the guy didn't get the hint. He didn't get the hint. He just kept trashing it. It's like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, that's the other. That's another. Again, just dad advice for all of our listeners. Like, when you start conversations by trashing stuff, like if that's a connection you're trying to make with somebody, it goes wrong more often than it goes yeah. right. You're not you gonna know, make a like, good connection nine times out of ten. There, yeah. Yeah, like I remember I was at a D&D &D event and again, this is completely off topic, but and uh, I was like kind of like joking around with this one dude who I just met. Um, but then he starts kind of going off about how much he dislikes like some of the new stuff they're doing in this book or that and how much he dislikes this one like comic book series that like I happen to like. And I'm like, well, the, you're not the kind of person that I truly want to hang out with and. I chose not to exchange phone numbers that individual because it's just 
you know, if you start conversations with like a positive direction, they'll usually end in a positive direction too. Yeah. So exactly. Feel that. Yep. Well, but and let's... that's cool. And it looks like you like from my little window, it, like you know, we, ne we never want to say good things about writer strikes or things like that. You know, it's we want everybody to get paid. But if anybody got their appreciation this year, it feels like the comic book creators, and that's just a really cool thing that and just doesn't happen so often they're it's all so they're all on the same team i mean right. comic book writers for the longest time have tried to unionize um yeah. especially with the big name publishers like your marvel and dc because True. there are plenty of horror stories out there of those creators being underpaid or creating characters that they don't get any type of royalty for for creating mm -hmm. them um, i mean just look so... into the origins of image and so this verse, wasn't you know, this wasn't like, so much mm -hmm. people celebrating the companies that make the comics as much as it was them celebrating the people that make the comics. And that's what I, yep, I think yeah. was the important highlight. Awesome. And so I, I hope um, there's a renewed um, interest and a renewed appreciation for the writers, the artists, the colorists, the inkers, the letterers, the layout, the editors that do the layouts and stuff like that. Like, I just think, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad they all got appreciated and got their dues this year they they deserved it and uh, like everyone said I, I do hope the writer strike and the sag after strike come to a uh, a conclusion that works for um the writers essentially like I, i'm sorry i don't really care about the billion dollar companies as much as i do the writers that are struggling to get mm -hmm. by having to work three or four projects at a time just to pay rent and get food gotta, so yeah they got to get that bag just like everybody else so mm -hmm. <laughs> like they Indeed. work harder than everybody but, in those situations so that's how we're going to end the episode today. So thank you everybody for listening for our San Diego Comic-Con recap episode. Please, please follow us on all of our social media. We are at Dads Are Dorks on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week. Oh, the artist God. formula, it's formerly known as Twitter. Uh, that's what I'm just going to call it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you can find the podcast, you can find us. Dads are dorks. You can send us an email at dadsardorks at gmail.com. Um, as far as uh, our own personal socials, you can follow me at uh, Geek with Chris on all social media. Uh, Tyler, where can people find you? Yeah, my X handle is at Stormbreaker or see how dumb that sounds <laughs> it's so dumb my you can also find me said. on blue sky you can find me on threads X. like i'm, I'm not, not cool on blue enough. sky yet hey man are you an x but no, it's, not <laughs> legal it's so dumb i hate it i truly do um elon musk if you're listening get get a therapist man um <laughs> our podcast gets shadow banned <laughs> Spoiler alert, he's not listening <laughs> i didn't even say anything bad i said get a therapist like yeah. doesn't matter anyway Elon, if um, you are listening come on our show so we can talk to you and get a lot of i don't want to <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm, just playing. I'm at stormbreaker or uh most everywhere but if i start a blue sky or a thread i might change that because the name doesn't make sense anymore but anyway if you want, if you want a blue sky mason. let me know i got an invite code for you oh seriously i might hit yeah. you up after this okay all right mason where I can people find you you can you can find me on uh twitter whatever at mason merrill and then uh <laughs> yeah i'm on a i'm on threads you know the that thing that's out there um but yeah just whatever it is now mason merrill and uh that's about it so but follow our podcast channel we also really care about and 
That's such a tough segue to be like, yeah, follow our podcast show. That's all I care about. And now we're going to thank our wives. Um, but no, seriously, uh, obviously, we thank our wives. Without them, none of this is possible, including the time, as well as the fact that they bore our children. They carried our children for nine months uh, and continue to provide for us and for our families um, and just make our lives better in every which way possible. Our kids, obviously. Um, our kids are everything to us and are, we just cherish and love them forever. Need to thank a good friend of the show, basically a, a, a co-host who just kind of pops on from time to time at this point, uh, Eric, for making our logo, all our fantastic logo imagery. Um, and we also want to thank our listeners, you, for taking the time to tune in to hear three dorks talk about being dads and talk about dorky things and how it relates to being dads. Um, we do this, uh, one, because we love it, but two, we love to share it. And we hope that you enjoy it. And we would love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear your suggestions, your opinions. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna work on getting some more uh, dads as well as future dads onto our show in the future. Um, just so stay tuned for that. Maybe uh, a mom. We'll date, date to be yes, moms. Um, but with that, it is now time for our podcast tradition. To end the show with a dad joke. Mason, take it away. Make us laugh, cringe, or cry. Why did Adele cross the road? To say hello from the other side. Thank you for listening to the Dads or Dorks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dads or Dorks. And be sure to subscribe on your podcatcher of choice for more dorky content.